The Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 848, for Monday, December 14th, 2020. Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where we take in your questions. Really, you send in your questions. It all starts with you. You send in your questions. You send in your tips. You send in your cool stuff found. We mix them all together. Sometimes we bring our tips and cool stuff found and even questions of our own. We try together to get answers to everybody's questions because the goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every time we get together. Sponsors for the show include mintmobile.com slash MGG, headspace.com slash MGG, fundrise.com slash MGG, and a new one, well, a new sponsor, but certainly not something new to, to well, at least me here, grammarly.com slash MGG. So we'll talk more in depth about each of those a little bit later. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, where the leaf fairy just stopped by and took my leaves away. Very nice. This is John F. Braun. That's excellent, man. That's, uh, yeah, we don't, uh, <laughs> I, I guess our town does do the, the leaf pickup thing. We, most homes in our, in our town just happen to back up to like woods and stuff. So it's pretty easy to, to dispose of them ourselves, but, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I've, one day I want to train the squirrels, um, to do it for me. Right. Wow. Because I've seen them. They they build nests in the winter. And I, I one time I didn't know what was going on. And I saw a squirrel with a mouthful of leaves. And then he ran up in a tree and, and made his nest. So if I could just get like a whole squad of squirrels to just take all my leaves away, that would... Yeah, to just source from, from your yard. Well, you, you need to convince the squirrels that, that you have the very the neighborhood's very, very best, like artisanally grown leaves. And that's what they're going to want to make their 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 houses out of. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how we got here, folks, but uh, but here we are. <laughs> we do have some stuff that's about technology. I mean, I don't I guess you could use technology to to uh, as part of your artisanal leaf growing uh operation mm-hmm. there but uh, i don't know I, I i'm not the expert on that nor do i think i ever want to become one uh however sylvain gives us a quick tip john and uh says i don't know that this is new in big sur but if you use two fingers to left swipe from the right edge of your touchpad either you know a magic trackpad or the trackpad on your laptop or whatever uh it brings up notification center and you are right about this. I, and I think you're right on both counts that I don't. Well, I can test it right now to see. No, it is not new in Big Sur, but that doesn't mean that it's not handy. And it doesn't mean that it's not new to many of us. I have accidentally done this many times. I don't know that other than this moment here that I've intentionally done it. And that I, I kind of like that. That's that's sort of handy to be able to do that no matter where your mouse is. You just sort of swipe in from the edge. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Screws up my Evernote window for some reason when I do that, uh, but that's okay. Makes everything all right. Did you know about that one, John? Yeah, like you, I think I invoked it by accident once, right. and then went to the uh, trackpad section to see what was up. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that's that's what that does. That's what that does. Yeah, yeah. That you know that is one of Apple's best user interface 
things that they've that they've ever given to us is the trackpad configuration screen in system preferences. It shows you how to do the things that you're about to do and why they would work. Like it's it's just so well done. I don't know. Right? It, every time I'm in there, I'm like, oh, that's how I could do two things, and then and then I forget, you know, because I'm not doing it. So I like it. It's good. I always turn off natural scrolling because to me, it's not natural. My my brain's just wired. Way. Yeah, I think I have turned off. Uh, no, I have I have natural scrolling now. I, I I was the same as you years ago. I think I just finally, you know, made the adaptation. I forced myself and to, you know, re, mm-hmm. to relearn that because now it is nice. It's like you're just grabbing the, the page and moving it because it's very much like it happens on iOS, I think was was mm-hmm. so you so you're probably your brain probably does work OK that way. It's just not when you're, you're not used to it when you're, you know, it's, it's context sensitive, right? You're, you're, um, your brain adapts when you're in a computer at a computer instead of at like your iPad or something. So fun stuff. All right, good. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Roger says, uh, a few weeks ago, I wrote to ask if you knew the secret sauce to getting the Apple watch to work regularly to open my Apple laptop, a useful, but completely unreliable feature for me. You guys sympathized, but had no recommendations. I upgraded to a new M1 Air and set the feature, which worked perfectly for exactly one day. I decided to do some troubleshooting, and here's what I have come up with so far and wanted to share it as a quick tip. I went to the settings feature in my MacBook Air and unchecked the unlock with Apple Watch. Okay, great. Uh, It would not let me reset it. I knew the feature was Wi-Fi based, not Bluetooth based. Based, And I found that turning off the Wi-Fi in both the MacBook Air and the Apple Watch seems to be the secret sauce, at least for the past three days. Once I did that, I was able to reactivate the feature. The only thing that I can come up with uh, off the top of my head was on the second day I owned the MacBook Air, Apple installed an OS update to it. That must have somehow disturbed the Wi-Fi settings between the two devices. You must turn off the Wi-Fi in both of them again. Makes no sense why that works uh, since it's the same Wi-Fi SSID, but it's uh, been three days now and it has worked every time. So there you go. Yeah. And it, of course, it may have to do with whatever Wi-Fi he's on, uh, but but that it's good to know that that trick works. So it's turning it off on both the watch and the uh, the computer that is desiring that you are desiring to unlock with the watch. So that's pretty good. You you uh, you don't. You st- right. You don't. You still don't have a watch that's not been one of your purchases. Is that correct? <clears throat> not yet. Okay. Okay. That is a handy feature. I do like having my Mac unlock with the watch, especially the new Air. When you just open it up, and you know, by the time I'm done flipping the screen, not only is it ready to go, but it's also unlocked. You know, because my watch is right there, which is yeah, it's handy. Nice little, nice little tie-in of everything that Apple does. So yeah, good. Yeah, all good. We can keep on trucking here. Mm-hmm. We're allowed. All right, good. Uh, Richard uh, has a tip that uh, says, I am a horrendous speller. When autocorrection isn't so correcting, I use Siri on the Mac all the time to ask, how do I spell such and such a word? Very useful. So we did. We asked last week how you would use Siri uh, on how how you do use Siri on the Mac. And we've gotten actually quite a few little comments we'll share a few of them today but that's a that's an interesting one i never thought about using it for 
uh, for spelling help. So evidently you can ask Siri how to help you spell. I had no idea, John. I can, I can put that on my, uh, on my list of things I did not know. One of five. Actually, they're probably already at like three of five at this point, but that's okay. Lewis, uh, for his Siri usage on the Mac, says, I use Siri on the Mac on occasion to control HomeKit uh, when my phone is not right there. That I can totally see. Um, having gotten hoobs and all of that set up, my HomeKit setup is pretty reliable now. And so I can rely on HomeKit, but I've never thought to do it at my Mac. So here we go. Thank you, Lewis. That's a pretty good one. You, you, have you come up with any more Siri on the Mac things, John? No. No. Okay. Yeah. And um, lastly, in our follow-ups and tips section here, Mark says, Dave, I heard you speaking about data caps coming soon to Xfinity in your area. They've been in my area for a while. And so I have an unlimited plan for an extra 50 bucks a month. I'm not sure if it's still offered, but it could not hurt to ask. Uh, My stepson and wife are constantly online and it is well worth the price versus paying for additional gigabytes uh, or being throttled. So he says, boy, did I hear about that when we were throttled? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want that. So that's great. I will. uh, I will. They they. Because they just announced this, they've changed the ability to sign up for unlimited because it's not here. They've announced it, but it, the, the data caps aren't here yet. So I think they're retooling some things, but there is some discussion that there will be a way to do that. And my guess is it's going to be exactly what you're seeing there, Mark. So thanks for the heads up for those of us in about to be data capped Comcast markets. So it's pretty crazy, John. Do you have data caps with, um, with your ISP? Nope. Really? Mm. Oh. No, that's uh, the one place where, uh, what are they called this week? I forget. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Altice, they are now. Okay. Well, they were uh, uh, Cablevision and then Optimum and Altice, I think, uh, acquired them. Oh, but, um, okay. Had no idea. All right. Huh. But no, I'm I'm happy with them. I got the uh triple play um right. Triple play package with them. You know, okay. so I I do my, you know, I finally gave up my landline. Whoa. Okay, so you only have the double play now? Uh, no, no. So I do phone with them, you know, and my cable modem, the Aris uh, supports that. Cable TV, you know, HD and all that great stuff and um and 200 down, 35 up. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that 35 up is the key for, for, I think for everybody in in order to do backups and, but certainly for what we do here too. So, yeah. 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 And I even verified it. Yeah. We, we did that little test to, uh, we're still figuring out that frame rate thing. Yes. uh, It looks like we have similar speeds. I think I was getting pretty much the same speed to you and from you. So. Yeah. So what I did was um, we're trying to figure out why John can send to me at 24 frames a second uh, with Mimo Live. But when he tries to send at uh, 30 frames per second, it cuts down to 15. And I checked with the folks with Oliver over at Boinks and he's like, "Okay, well, that would happen when you have a bandwidth issue. And he said the reason it cuts to 15 is because it won't seem as jittery going to exactly half the frame rate. But if it tried to just ratchet it down, then it then it would be potentially, you know, quite jittery. And he's like, so that's why uh, I think it's Web RTP 
if I have that right, WebRTC maybe, um, is is doing that. Why it's doing that, though, is the question you and I are trying to answer, because it, you've got, like you said, 35 to me and I've got 40 to you. So that's more than enough to be able to send that data. And, you know, so the way we did this to test our speeds, because uh, Oliver Boyce pointed out correctly, I'm like, wow, we're both we both have high streams. He's like, well, what are your speeds to each other? I thought that was a fair question. Like, how would we solve that? Well, I've mentioned in the past that uh, for a while, a couple of months now, I've just been running full-time an iPerf 3 server on my disk station. And I use it internally on my network. And it's super handy to not have to think about, oh, I got to go turn on a server somewhere. It's just on all the time. And I thought, wait a minute. Why couldn't I let John touch that server? So I opted to put it on not the standard port because I didn't want the world out there to be just slurping up my bandwidth. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So we're not going to share the port here on the show. Uh but I did set up a, a custom port and we figured out the terminal command to tell iperf from your machine to use a non-standard port. And then you put my IP address or my uh, whatever my my you know dynamic DNS address in and uh, and the test just worked. Right. I mean, it, it no fanfare. It just mm -hmm. it just worked. That's great. Cool. Now, of course, we need to. Yeah. And if, and if I recall. Uh, the dash R switch is the one that changes the direction in which the, uh, operation takes place, right? That's right. Capital R. Yeah. We're, right. We yep. were scratching our heads over that. Yep. Yeah. Capital R changes the direction. Yeah. By default, iperf3 goes sending from the client to the server and then R causes the server to send to the client. Uh, so you can test in both directions, mm -hmm. which we did. And it's all fine and all good. So now we need to figure out. But they say the new version of, of Mimo Live has a new version of WebRTC. Thank you, Brian Monroe, in our chat room at live.maccabcab.com for pointing that out. Uh, yep. So maybe that's it. It's all very this stuff. It, it, this stuff, I, I mean, I'm glad we're doing the video thing. It's actually really handy to be able to see each other while we do the show. Obviously, some of you like to watch it. Most of the show, though, is really still tailored for audio. It is you watching us record an audio show because that's where most of you are is is on audio. So we the, sh the show is audio. It's for you. Uh, but it is a far less stable setup just because there's so many moving parts. Not that any one part is unstable, but there's lots of things. <laughs> and so it's not quite how I would like it. But, you know. That's how it goes. I'm a geek. We like these things. So uh, measuring speeds between two locations. I liked it. I'm glad it worked. I guess I should close those ports just just in case, because I would never know if somebody was, you know, I don't keep logs on my iperf server or anything. So I would I would mm -hmm. never know. So I should I got to remember to turn that off. Hopefully somebody will remind me. Uh, we have a bunch of questions. You went through a, gr a, a couple of great things this week, John, and I am very eager to get to those. Uh, first, though, I would love to tell you about our first couple of sponsors, if that's okay with uh, you, Mr. Braun. Do tell. All right, look, it's going to come as no surprise to any of you that I am a stickler for grammar. But I'm not always able to get it right on my own the first time either. But there's there's some secret sauce that you can use 
And that's where our next sponsor comes in at Grammarly.com slash MGG. I've been using Grammarly for a long time. Well, I'll let the secret out. And man, it makes it so easy. Sometimes, you know, you're reading something that you wrote. You're like, that doesn't seem sound right, but it's really hard to see the forest from the trees. Good news. Grammarly can be right there for you to see the forest, help you sort out the trees and make your communication clearer, more effective. And it's going beyond just spelling mistakes. I mean, Grammarly, especially Grammarly Premium, gives you real-time feedback and insights to help you elevate your writing through your tone, your word choice, clarity, and more. This is super helpful for all of us. I mean, look at we're writing so much these days. It makes a huge difference for us. And really, the cool part is that you can dig in and get this to happen Anywhere you can do it, of course, in your web browser, they have extensions for all the you know popular web browsers. They've also got a keyboard app for iOS, which I love because you can integrate that into anything you're doing, emails, whatever. And I think those clarity suggestions that Grammarly Premium offers really make a difference. You know, I I tend to be wordy sometimes and Grammarly can really help make me more concise. I love it. So you've got to check this out. You can elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash MGG. That's 20% off Grammarly premium at dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Grammarly for doing what they do and sponsoring this episode. Listen, you know, life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. And then you add 2020 to the mix. We really don't know what's coming in 2021 either, do we? This is why we need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. This is why I use Headspace. In fact, I've been using Headspace, which is a great meditation app for years, long before they even approached us about sponsorship, let alone came on board as a sponsor, because Headspace is your and my daily dose of mindfulness in the form of these guided meditations, like I said, in this easy-to-use app. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research, and it's very easy to use. doesn't matter if you've been meditating for years and you're a pro or you're brand new to the practice, it's always just a practice, and Headspace has something for you. In fact, if you've only got, you know, a little bit of time, you're feeling overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. You need help falling asleep, they've got their wind-down sessions. If you've got kids, you can actually do Headspace meditations with your kids. They've got special ones that work there, improving your sleep, boosting focus, all of these things. I, I love Headspace. Like I said, I've loved it for a very, very long time. You deserve to feel happier, and so do I. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash MGG. That's headspace.com slash MGG, where you'll get a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal that they're offering right now. So head to headspace.com slash MGG today, and our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. All right, Dave, we got a power issue here. Okay. I think. Okay. No, no, I don't think it's a power issue. So Mark wrote in and says, my daughter can't swipe to power off her iPhone 12. I don't want to reset it to factory. Just restart it. No screen protector. Thoughts? And my first thought is that um, the way that you bring up the 
power off is different on the 12 as compared to prior phones. And I had to get used to this as well. Different on and Apple all has a, of the Face ID phones. Like th there is the way to do it on Touch ID phones and there's the way to do it on Face ID phones. The 12 isn't new compared to the 11, but th the 10 was... The, the 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 feature came in the 10 and if if you stayed on the touch id path like you did then yes you're right moving to the 12 would be a new path that's right yeah and apple he even has a dandy little article called restart your iphone and they point out what i eventually learned uh so on the older phones you would just hold down the power button which is on the right and it would bring up a slider that would let you turn it off sure on the newer phone like my 12 you got to hold down the power button on the right and then a volume button on the left, and that will bring up the slider. So I presented that um, and asked, so does the slider not appear? Or once it appears, it doesn't work. And the answer was, the slider doesn't work. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um. And he says only it appears only the number two is not functioning in the top on the top portion of the screen. She can use the seven. And then he said T-Mobile told her she has to talk to Apple. Um, so my guess is that uh, the screen or I think we call it the digitizer, actually, the portion that, you know, detects when you're touching it. Yeah. Is malfunctioning. Now, there are some ways to get around it, Dave. Um, so one is you can go to settings, general shutdown, right? Right. They, I always they added forget that. that's in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They mm -hmm. added that a while back. You're right. Yep. Okay. I like it. Now here's, uh, and I think that's on the part of the screen that still works. Um, there's also, and we haven't talked about this a while, but accessibility always has some dandy things in it. And if you go to settings, accessibility touch assistive touch you then get a little um dot on the screen and if you hold it down it'll let you do tons of things mm. um including restart so i offered that up as well unfortunately the response was unfortunately the number two is not functioning so she can't enter her passcode to unlock the phone so it, it, I mean, it's not the number two, it's the area of the screen where the number two is displayed when asking for a passcode, right? So it mm -hmm. sounds, I, I think you're right. It sounds like the, the or, and I think T-Mobile is right too. This sounds like a digitizer issue and, and that is hardware, right? So. Yeah. I mean, if it's an iPhone 12, then it should be under warranty. So. Fair point. Yeah, that's right. It'd be really hard to have an iPhone 12 not under warranty right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd have to work at that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got warranty service, though. Uh, I don't know if you can go in store, but you should be able to mail it off to them, which may be upsetting. But um... some of the stores, not all of them, uh, are open for Genius Bar appointments and pickup appointments. So if you, you know, I don't, a lot of them are, you're right, not open for just general grazing around, but, uh, but I know that genius bars are open in the stores. If you, um, if you want to head that way and they like, I've seen the way they're doing it. There's a, a, you know, all the, all the kiosks are well more than six feet apart from each other. 
And then when you're working with the technician, there's a, a you know, a, a plexiglass shield between the two of you and you can kind of pass the phone or, or whatever the device is underneath it. Um, and lots of hand sanitizer and, you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah. 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 Oh, here's a good one. So yes. Brian in our chat room says you could also connect the iPhone to a computer to force a reboot. Oh, hmm. I like oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that sudden. Okay. I didn't. Mm, I haven't been to that screen in a while. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's options, but like you said, I mean, it, it should be under warranty. This, this should not be an issue. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. that's good. And you you've got another. Uh, we've got like like all the swipers not swiping today. We talked about the the Sylvain's thing. We started the show, and now this. And I think you've got another swiper question, right, John? Uh, more of an opinion here. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Fair enough. So Douglas writes in and says, I always use a glass screen screen protector on my iPhone and iPads, not only for the peace of mind, but because it seems to me that fingerprints don't seem to show up as much on the original screen. Huh. Although this is purely subjective. And to Dave's point, you don't have to pay a premium price to get an application tool. You can find two and three pack protectors on Amazon with an installation template at very good prices. This kind of template also helps me flawlessly install the screen protector on my iPad Pro 11 inch. And one more thing, I always look for a glass protector without the notch cut out. Mm. It looks so much cooler without the cutout. And I've had no issues with Face ID on my XS 12 mini or iPad Pro with the no notch full screen protector. Okay. And he uh, links to one here. Um, and then he says, if possible, I would like John's opinion on one thing. On Touch ID phones, you could touch the home button and the device would unlock and then open. What do you think about swipe to open requirement on the 12 mini? When I first switched from the 7 to the XS from Touch ID to Face ID, it was frustrating to always have to swipe to open, particularly on the larger screen of the XS, where you have to either awkwardly juggle the phone in one hand or use two hands to reach the bottom of the screen to swipe up. That frustration has never gone away. Swipe to open was made obsolete with the introduction of Touch ID. But for some reason, when Apple introduced the Face ID, they locked it to the five-year-old swipe to open requirement. I would love to be able to just pick up my phone and begin using it. Just imagine how easy and natural that would be. Unfortunately, I have to first swipe to open. This should at least be made an option for the user. So, uh, Apple, if you're listening, got a feature request. Or how about allowing swipe to open from the center of the display? I rarely see anyone else bringing this up, so maybe it's just me. Anyways, I'd like to hear what you both think. And I told him what I think. So uh, cool info on the screen protector. Uh, but me, Dave, as for the gyrations one has to go through to open the iPhone 12 with Face ID versus the iPhone 8 with Touch ID, as Mr. Horse said in Ren and Stimpy, no, sir, I don't like it. And is that still true that, two was, weeks later? Right. I mean, cause like, you know, well, there's the adaptation, right? We're humans. So there's change resistance and all that. Are you still like finding it not natural? Uh, it, it, it's just, it takes extra effort. Um, and that once it was once operation that only required a single touch to use the phone. I now have to swipe and then do face ID. And especially if you're using Apple pay, then there's an extra step 
because then I got to double uh, double tap the power button twice and it comes up and says face ID and it fails because I'm wearing a mask. So I then have to type in my passcode. So it's uh, to me, it's just more cumbersome. Okay, so I have some thoughts to share. Uh, first, yes, I will. Donald is right. Do- sorry, Douglas. I, never mind. Uh, Douglas is totally right that the no notch screen protectors work totally fine with face ID. I have been using a no notch protector on my 12 mini and it's hundred percent fine. And I think we've got one on, excuse me, one of the kids uh, iPhones too. So that's all good. Um, In terms of uh, going out of order here, in terms of Apple pay, you do not need to put your phone in Apple pay mode. Right. So you're 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 putting it in like Apple Pay mode before you you put your phone in front of the kiosk. You certainly can do that. Obviously, it works, but you don't have to. If you just hold even your locked, you know, sleeping phone next to the the you know, the the reader, the NFC reader, it will wake up and be in Apple Pay mode and you're ready to go. So you can skip a lot of those steps if uh, if you so choose. So at least there's that. Uh, but you're right, of course, if, if you've got a mask on and you've got to type in your, you know, your your passcode at that point, which is obviously not convenient. Somebody in a prior episode suggested, of course, use the Apple Watch, which I know you don't have. But like that's I've started using that and it's way easier for um, for masked purchases. So that's good. As far as Douglas's question, though, I think the reason that we don't see auto unlock, there are many occasions where I would want auto unlock just like Douglas. And I would presume that there are occasions where Douglas would not want auto unlock. And that is when there's a notification on the screen, because when you look at the screen, it unlocks assuming face ID is successful. Right. And if it, you know, if you're looking at it to see what your notifications said, then those will immediately, you know, disappear off the screen. And we even had this problem with touch ID phones where it was like, wait, no, there's a, it's clunky. I I just wanted to see my notifications. I don't want to, uh, you know, go to my home screen. I want to stay on the lock screen, but I want it to be unlocked so I can see all my notifications. And that's probably why Apple has not done this auto unlock thing. Of course they could do it, uh, based upon whether or not you have notifications there, but maybe you're just picking up your phone to look at the time, And when you do that, it unlocks and now it's going through, you know, all these gyrations, whereas all you wanted to do was see the time. So my guess is that that's the reason for it. Um, You know, and I'm trying to think what would what would another like maybe there's a could you make it so that when you hit the, you know, volume up button, but you might want to adjust the volume. So like there's no button to to do what you want to do. So I think that's why we have to have the swipe. I don't know. I, 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 I feel you Douglas, but I don't know that we have an answer. <laughs> so what, uh, any thoughts on any of that, John? I mean, I know you already shared your thoughts, but any thoughts on the other stuff? Nope. No more. Okay. All right. <laughs> so yeah, try and get in that workflow of just putting your phone on the thing and see if that makes the uh, Apple pay experience any better. It, it really helps to have your default card be the one that you're going to use because that way you're not going back and forth with, you know, once it wakes it up, it's like, perfect. All I got to do is unlock it and approve and I'm done. So anyway, that's that. Steven boy, Steven, I have this problem too. So Steven writes, I recently 
uh, ran my first installation of Big Sur onto an external SSD clone of my laptop's Mojave drive. I rebooted and lots of surprises since I haven't been on a Catalina system volume dealing with it as I have time. But it really messed with my contacts. All my devices have shared iCloud contacts on a single ID. After first boot from Big Sur, all devices now show double contacts. My iPhone, iPad, and iMac all show twice as many as before, and the culprit is a group called Card, which got populated without me doing anything that I know of, uh, except booting into Big Sur and signing into iCloud. Any ideas on how to depopulate my overcrowded digital world? So um, I have some ideas about this. We were ranting pre-show. I was ranting pre-show a little bit about contacts because I had to go and edit one phone number and it brought my eight core iMac to its knees CPU wise for about 10 seconds. So I don't know if that's normal, but it's normal on all of my Macs. So maybe I've got something weird going on with contacts. But uh, the first thing I would do before making any changes, Stephen, is I would open up contacts, go to file, export and do contacts archive, because that way you are saving a backup. I know Time Machine will save these. I know it's in your clone backups, but this is a really easy to use backup if you need to use it. Uh, so I, I recommend doing it this way just so that you don't have the headache of trying to figure out how to extract your backup if this all screws everything up. Uh, so do that, please. And then the very next thing I do is would go to the card menu and choose look for duplicates. And it will offer to merge duplicates in together. And uh, I would recommend now that you know you have a backup and you can, you know, manipulate safely. I would let it do it. Just, you know, click the button, let it happen. Now, once it finishes, I want you to do the exact same thing again. And again, until it tells you there are no more duplicates to be found. Because I think on mine, I wound up doing this four times, John, before it said there's no more duplicates that I'm finding. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why that is. Uh, there are third-party apps that you can use to do this too, but you know, I figured I would use the one just built into contacts and uh, and uh, you know, things are certainly deduplicated on mine. And and Stephen went through this too. His was a little more nuanced because he had pictures and you know, I think some ringtones and things like that assigned that he wanted to make sure he copied over uh, and chose the right duplicate or the you know the right card to merge into and all of that uh but uh but i think this was successful for steven as well at least based on what we heard back from him so i don't know what do you uh what do you think john any any thoughts on this mm, no okay all right <laughs> yeah i don't i i so i i need to figure out my contacts problem because i think not only does it cause my max cpu to spike it would be reasonable to presume that it also causes my iPhone's CPU to spike occasionally. And that's bad for battery life. Right. So I've, I've long thought that maybe there's something related to any battery problems I've had with, uh, with my, my personal contacts setup. And on my Mac, I feel like it has gotten less CPU intensive. <clears throat> if I turn off my, Google contacts and only have my iCloud contacts in there, which it shouldn't be the case, but, um, but anyway, there you go. So I don't know. Yeah. Mine's kind of a mess because I think at one point 
I was linking to Facebook and to LinkedIn for contact info. And then they took that ability away, but it right. still left remnants. So mm. I have tons of duplicates. So maybe I'll uh, yeah, maybe take you your advice. And, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, maybe it's just, just doing a lot of work sometimes when it doesn't need to. Right, 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 right. Yep. Craziness. All right. Uh, you want to share, Ben has a, a tip that I think actually several tips maybe that uh, I think would be good to, to share with folks, John. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, Ben says quick tipsy dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're not tipsy at the, at the moment. That's right. Yeah. Um, Maybe for the evening shows, but um, anyways, sure. uh, the advanced screenshot tools added to Mac OS as of Mojave permit specifying where to save or send each each screenshot. Press shift command five and click options to show the save to choices. I just discovered that setting this destination here changes the preference permanently, even for screenshots taken instantly with a different shortcut. Oh. No longer must I enter a terminal command to set the destination to a specific folder. I can also save all screenshots in a series to the clipboard saved by my clipboard manager and never have to hold control to force it. Or I can have them open in preview, for example. Um, okay, cool. Wait a minute. Um, I never thought about this. Yeah, keep going. Sorry, sorry. My mind's blown a little bit here. I need to process. Keep, keep going. Sorry, John. Well, no, that's a, and, and then he uh, has a, a short article that I guess we uh, we can link to uh, talking about this. Um, yeah, I haven't really looked at that part of the OS in detail. Um, though I got to say, Dave, I'm a bit disappointed that the format of the screenshot isn't an option. Um, unless there's a magic keyboard combo to do this. Maybe there is. You, um, you mean the, the file just type? miss it? Correct. Uh interesting um that was an option uh remember snaps pro 10 maha yeah which uh i i like that but uh it's time uh in additional ambrosia i think has uh, has, has passed. passed yes so <clears throat> so you yeah, can it was a nice tool for you can change the type um either with a terminal command or if you're running an os supported by it with onyx uh, but on Big Sur, you'd have to run the terminal command to change from, say, you know, I think it saves them as PNGs by default. I can't remember. I have mindset PNGs. OK, you can change it to JPEG or even PDF and possibly even TIFFs if memory serves. But but there is a I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'm sure we can find an article or maybe somebody in the chat room at live.mackey. Oh, well, I haven't. I, I actually sent him a link to an article oh, that tells you how to do this right. Dave. so there you go perfect so we'll uh we'll put that in our notes here let me see what they say um uh, that's perfect all right you can do yeah so jpeg tiff gif pdf and png are the uh types but yeah you got to do a terminal command to do that so yeah and you can also use a terminal command to change the destination, as he mentioned, or Onyx has always mm -hmm. let me do that before. And I've never thought right, about right. using Apple's. I, I never I guess I never realized that whatever you choose with command shift five uh, in terms of, you know, destination and all of your options. Right. 
also then holds over to when you choose command shift three or, or four uh, in terms of some of those options. When we do command shift four is I, I I'm my fingers still just know command shift four and I use it a lot uh, or command control shift four. If I wanted to go to the clipboard, uh, I use it a lot for grabbing screenshots to paste into emails, like back to you folks and, and things like that. It's way easier than trying to save it and move it in. But um Five. The cool part about command shift five that for me is like, for example, when we're doing those watching those Apple events on, you know, on TV now, because that's how we see them. Uh, I can if I want to take screenshots during the event, which I often do, I have it up and running on my laptop, too, even though I might be watching on my Apple TV and I have my laptop. Here's a here's a pro tip. I, I don't know that anybody else will care about this, but here's the secret sauce. I get them all working and then I intentionally hit pause on my laptop for 15 seconds and then hit play. So my laptop is always 15 seconds behind my TV. So when I see something on the TV and it's like, Oh, I'd like a screenshot of that. I can get ready on my laptop to grab it at the moment that it's going to appear. Uh, and the, what I do is command shift five will remember the placement and size of the frame that I've drawn to grab screenshots. So as long as my windows don't move, that way I don't have to grab the entire window of Safari. I can just grab like the portion of the of the screen that's got that. The only thing I don't like about the Command Shift 5 thing is how long the uh, like the thumbnail of the screenshot lingers down in the lower right hand corner of my screen. If I'm saving to disk, if I'm saving to clipboard, it does not linger. So I don't know. Just one of those things. I don't know where we're going with this, John, but, you know, something you've got. um where are we on time here? You know what I would love? I got to, a mystery. You have a mystery. You definitely do. And it's like wrapped in an, in an enigma. Boy, that's easy for <laughs> me to say. Uh, and I want to go through that. I Because this is, I want you to go through it because I think this is going to be something. It's about uh, USB cables and iPads and all kinds of craziness. So I definitely want, I'm but eager first, but first, right. I do want to tell you about our next few sponsors here. As long as that's okay with you, Mr. Braun, please. All right. Look, we love deals and this holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at mint mobile. And that's because right now when you switch to mint mobile and by any three month plan, you get another three months for free. That's right. You get six months for the price of three and that three months was already super inexpensive because Mint Mobile lets you safely order from home and maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. So 15 times three is 45. That's three months. And then they add three months for free. Still 45 bucks for six months. I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal. And I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I was talking to a friend this morning for two phones. They pay $160 a month. Now, even with Mint's $30 unlimited plan, that's still like that's $180 for both phones for six months. This is crazy. Essentially one month that they're paying with this other carrier and they get six months with Mint for about the same price. It, this is their best offer of the year. I've never seen Mint do this before. This is crazy. And it's because Mint went online only, which means you are safely ordering from home. And that's how they can do this for you. And of course, all plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. 
And you bring your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, so you keep your number and you keep your contacts, and it's super easy to switch. And, of course, if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash MGG. That's mintmobile.com slash MGG. That way you can cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. Look, we've heard for years that it's important to have a diversified portfolio, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of thing. But if you've ever looked at a breakdown of the most successful portfolios, you typically see a diversified set of real estate. So why isn't it one of the first asset classes you consider when you're looking to diversify? Simple. It hasn't been available to investors like you and me until now, thanks to our sponsor, Fundrise at Fundrise.com slash MGG. Fundrise makes it easy for all investors to diversify by building you a portfolio of institutional quality real estate investments. So whether you're just starting to invest in real estate or looking to add more, our friends at Fundrise have you covered because Fundrise is an investing platform that makes investing in high quality, high potential real estate as easy as investing in your favorite stock or mutual fund. Super simple. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or prefer long-term growth through appreciation, Fundrise has you covered because Fundrise manages more than a billion dollars in assets for over 130,000 investors. And since 2014, the Fundrise platform has averaged 87 to 12.4% annual returns and investors have earned more than $79 million in dividends alone. The folks at Fundrise carefully vet and they actively manage all of their real estate projects. So it's very easy to use and they know what they're doing. So you can start building your better portfolio today. Get started at Fundrise.com slash MGG to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash MGG to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. Fundrise.com slash MGG and our thanks to Fundrise for sponsoring this episode. Look, last year alone, false declines cost the U.S., the U.K., French, and German markets over $20 billion. False declines are what happens when an online purchase is declined when it should have been accepted, often the result of a technical, financial, or fraud scoring reason. That's why if your business takes payments online, and I know a lot of you do, consultants out there, consulting firms, lone wolf consultants, like you're taking payments online, especially nowadays, and you need a modular payment solution that flexes to your needs and provides you with granular data to better optimize your payments. You need Checkout.com. And Checkout.com, they've got this white paper that you can download at Checkout.com slash MGG. And this thing goes into so much stuff. It's so cool. Like looking at the percentages of people who said, if I had questions about the security of my payment, I would abort the process. Right. And very likely is the, the most common answer. And in most cases it's over 50%. So you got to take a look at this. If you're taking payments online and really check it out because you want to check out checkout.com's unified purpose-built payments platform to give you the insights that you need so that you can optimize your customer's experience. Customer service is the key to every business, and this is part of it. So learn more at checkout.com slash MGG, where you can download their free white paper report, Black Boxes and Paradoxes, the cost of disconnected payments. To get forward-thinking advice around how to build a strong payments mandate across your business, innovate, and keep pace with a fast-moving digital and consumer context. That's checkout.com slash MGG. One more time, checkout.com slash MGG. Our thanks to checkout.com for sponsoring this episode. 
Mr. Braun. All right, Dave. We've got a mystery here. Okay. Tell me the yes. mystery. All right. So uh, Greg writes in. All right. And, you uh, are out uh, of sync. I, so I pursued this as well. I, I'm, I'm going to reconnect you again, Mr. Braun, because I want to make sure we get this. Our, our audio seems to have gotten out of sync with one another. So let's try that again. So say hello to me. Hmm. Interesting. No bueno. Hello. You are still hello. massively delayed in getting audio to me. T talk one more time, Mr. Braun, before I pause the show. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing you when your audio one shows up. One more time. Yeah. So if you'll do me a favor and quit Memo Live and relaunch it, I think that will get us there, my friend. So we will we will see how Mr. Braun does because this thing that he's about to tell us about is uh, is very good. So he'll be right back. I'm not going to pause the show yeah, quite yet, although I probably will in a minute if I don't see him come back. I'm not sure. I did reconnect him while we were doing the ad thing, and that seems to have sent him out of sync. So that'll teach us not Yellow. to do that. Hey, Mr. Braun, how you doing? Let me, uh, let me make sure you're in sync. Say hi. Hello. Yeah, good. All right, go. Take us to Greg, my friend. Please, please. All right. Greg writes in and says, I connected a Thunderbolt 3 cable from my iPad Air 4 to an M1 MacBook Pro and went to system information clicked on USB and was surprised to see the connection speed is 480 megabits per second. It showed right. the bus speed is USB 3.1, but when I click on it on the iPad, it shows connection speed of 480. I seem to remember you talked about this on the show before, so that's how I knew where to look. The iPad Air 4 is supposed to have data transfer speeds that are USB 3. And actually, I found a press release and Apple explicitly says, um, yeah, you, you should be able to do five gigabits per second, which is USB three dot whatever. Um, uh, I tried the charging cable in the box, but I'm pretty sure that that's limited to the slower USB two speeds, which, yes, uh, it is. That's right. Yeah. Um, I contacted Apple support and they escalated to a senior advisor and they didn't have an answer for me. Basically, I'm connecting to it just to do a normal backup, but it would be nice to be able to get the fastest speed possible um so uh i so i confirmed this on my setup dave because okay. i just got an ipad air fourth generation right. and i have a macbook pro 16 inch so i don't have the m1 but i do have the USB-C ports on them and um and i got a cable that will do high speed charging and advertises it'll do usb 3.1 up to 10 gigabits per second um, okay. well five or ten so uh the cable that i had you know i got a few of them you know just to verify so i have an external drive enclosure i you know plug that into my machine and looked and sure enough it comes up and says yep you can do 10 gigabits per second okay i was gonna um, that's a great then, way to test the cable okay good because it's a real world mm -hmm. test yeah all right okay um yeah, so, uh, yeah, so the cable I have, Dave, actually will go even farther than that. It's, it's a Scotia cable. Okay. Um, so in addition to 10 gigabits, I actually uh, one day uh, verified that it can actually go faster. I put my MacBook Pro into target disk mode and hooked it up to my mini. 
and then looked on the mini and the mini said, oh, yeah, you're doing Thunderbolt instead of USB. Oh, sure. That was cool. So the cable actually does more than they advertise. So it's definitely not the cable. This cable should be able to do it. Right. Um, Yeah, fair. Yeah. So. So what did you do? um, So what I did is. So, well, I called Apple, too. Say it ain't not so. the Apple too, but I call I, I called Apple as well because I have uh, so in my phone, I think it's the Apple Care number. Yeah. But I decided to call Apple Care. You know, I called up and they're like, yep, we know who you are. We recognize your number. And um, and they decided to talk to me because I have Apple Care on my MacBook Pro. OK. Otherwise, I think they would have charged me or no. Well, I think my machine, I think you're entitled to one support call. Um for the device so i you know called in and said what's up with this um you know it's it i described the the issue to them as i did to you dave and um they said first they sent me to the uh mac os guy and then he's like oh no we, i gotta send you to the uh mac guy and i'm like okay and then they sent me to the ipad guy okay yeah they didn't have an answer huh so i'm like what is going on here? Um, and I think, I think it's a bug. I don't know if it's a bug in, in Big Sur or it's a bug in iOS, Dave. But um, I wanted to, uh, I ran a test and um, it can go faster. So here's what I did, Dave. Um so I took that drive enclosure that I was telling you about earlier yeah, and the USB-C cable and I plugged it into the iPad. It's like, well, that's crazy talk. Well, no, you can do that. Right. And the hard drive uh, shows up. It, it was actually my clone and the hard drive actually shows up in the files application. Neat, huh? So I'm like, you know what? Let me test the throughput here. So I took a file from the uh, backup, uh, a large file, you know, several gigabytes. Sure. And then copied it to my iPad and then did a little timing and uh, looked at my watch and uh, waited for it to finish. Actually, it didn't finish. There wasn't enough space, but it, but it stopped at one point. And so I took the amount of data, which was about 10 gigs, and the amount of time and divided, and I got about 50 megabytes per second throughput. Okay. That sounds like five gigabits per second right is that right um my math right the thing is it's faster it's faster than 480 so okay not much though it's funny because i don't yeah i don't know if they're because when they worded it in the press release for this device they say oh you can connect cameras hard drives and other things um, to this USB-C port and you should be getting, uh, you know, five gigabits per second. Um, I'm just wondering if they just, cause they don't explicitly say that it'll support it when hooked to a computer, which to me seems weird. Yeah. So you, if you were right? getting 50 megabytes a second, then you were only mm-hmm. getting four, like that's your 480 megabits. That's not five gigabits. So as I'm doing the math here on Google. Oh. Right? 50 megabytes is approximately mm-hmm. I mean we could we could do the math wrong and say 50 megabytes is f- 500 megabits. So that 
would, I mean, it really is less than that because of the, because of the way it math actually works. So yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're only seeing USB two speeds when you plug into your iPad with that drive. Uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. At least based on the math I'm doing huh. here. Yeah. 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 So I don't know what the answer there is. It's so your iPad is definitely only connecting to other devices at 480. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Right. Am I, am I, I'm, uh, I'm doing the math right. Correct. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. No, it's 500. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ball, ball parking. Correct. Yeah. 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 Huh. I mean, it's really by eight. Not so, by, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I usually use 10. Just Correct. To round it. So. Correct. Yeah. So, and, uh, yep. Brian, uh, Brian confirms that he sees that as well. So. Interesting. So, uh, I don't know what's up Apple, but you're not, you're not doing it. Did it, it did support have any thoughts on this? I, I, and apologies if I missed that. I was busy doing math here to, to catch up. Um, no. Okay. Huh? No. And I'm, I'm like, you know, what do we do about this? And they, they kind of didn't have an answer. So, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Cause it should, I wonder if it's a power thing. It like if the drive were providing its own power, would it go faster? I know your Mac is providing power, so that should have solved that problem, but it didn't. Um, hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is there is there something where the iPad is intentionally, even though the cable would support a faster connection, it's intentionally going slower to conserve battery for some reason? Like, I can see that would be the thing but is it is it supposed to be usb3 on the ipad mm -hmm. okay I, I i mean let me uh let me let me uh hold on let me let me find the uh ipad air yeah let's look at the text specs for... oh, let's see it's a usb c connector but that doesn't mean usb3 that just means the shape of the connector is USB-C. Um, Apple's tech specs doesn't say anything about this, so I'm going to turn to yeah. our friend. Well, here we go. Check this out. Okay. So um, look at the, uh, so I just pasted a link in the, uh, in the show notes. Okay. I don't know where we are here. I don't see a link in the show notes, but. Uh, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. In the uh, chat room. Sorry. There we go. Okay. USB-C for up to five gigabit per second data transfer, which is 10 times faster mm -hmm. for connecting to other things like monitors. Yeah, right. Okay. So I, uh, iPad air now features. Yeah, that that's pretty, that's pretty clear. Huh? That's now the other thing I did is uh, just for kicks, Dave, they're like, Oh, you can drive a monitor. So I actually plugged my, um, my uh, OWC uh, uh, 4K screen into the iPad, and yeah. that worked. Now that has to be more than 400. That that has to be faster than USB two. Well, it's yes, I think that's correct. Maybe I don't know that math off the top of my head, but it, it also is connecting DisplayPort. It, it, like 
the, the port doesn't go into USB mode. It goes into display port mode at, at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in the chat room, uh, uh, different John, NCSUCPE, saying that he is seeing the same, getting that uh, when connected to his Mac, his iPad Air shows up as a 480 megabit per second device. Uh is fascinating. So I wonder how we're supposed to get this thing that Apple talks about in their press release of five gigabits data transfer and all of that. This is uh, there's yeah. a mystery. And and we both found articles on various sites where basically they say, well, you got to get the right cable. The thing is, I got the right cable. Yeah. What would the right cable be if yours is not the right cable? Yours. We certainly know that yours is the right cable for your Mac and that drive to talk at, you mm-hmm. know, faster than necessary speeds. So what's the, what would the right cable be? I mean, uh, like, it's just, I mean, and Greg even followed up and said he bought an anchor USB-C cable 3.1 gen two. Um, and he saw the same thing as, you know, still saw 480. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm at a loss as to how to solve this. Maybe I have to call customer relations. Do you have a USB dock for that iPad? Like a powered USB dock? I'm glad you asked that question. Yes, I tried two different. Okay. Uh, I got an OWC and uh, uh, Anchor uh, docks. And I figure, oh, maybe, you know, I have to do it off of a dock. Right. Whatever, for, well, because that would be same power. thing. It show, it yeah. Show. yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought of that. Uh, I don't know if I had the back plugged into power. Let me try that. So the other thing, um, when I was thinking dock, I was actually thinking of taking the Mac out of the mix and just plugging mm-hmm. your iPad in as the host of the dock. Right. Because th- th- mm-hmm. as, as when we talked to Larry, remember Larry O'Connor at OWC, he taught us that they can't make docks send power, send more than 15 watts of power out uh, all of the USB-C ports because uh, some Windows implementations are wrong. And so you have to do it out of uh, you can only do it on one of them. So if you make your iPad the host and it has to be a USB dock because the iPad is not a Thunderbolt device, which is why I was asking, do you have a USB only dock? And then you power that. So now the iPad is getting power and passing data. And let's see what happens when you connect, you know, um, I'm trying to think, could you connect your Mac to it on the other side of that? Maybe, but you certainly could connect your drive and do some, some timing tests there. So, um, and if you don't have a USB dock, I, I almost certainly have one uh, in you know, in the piles here that I could send you. So, uh, to test with, cause I think that would be important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the one that I have connected to my mini, I got the Thunderbolt three dock. I can, uh, that won't work cause that's not a USB dock, no. right? That's thunder. That's Thunderbolt three only. If it's, there are some Thunderbolt three docks that are Thunderbolt three and USB. I, I have one of them sitting in our cool stuff found and it's the star tech Thunderbolt three Dual 4K dock, I think. No, that's not it. Sorry. That is that is a true Thunderbolt dock, just like the one you're talking about here with five USB-A ports, one USB-C port, two Thunderbolt 3 ports, and, I, and, and then HDMI. I don't think that will do USB 3. 
dock. I think it. Well, has the one I the, the one that I have here, Dave, which is the Thunderbolt three dock from uh, OWC. Yeah. Right on the front, it says USB three dot one Gen two on one of the port on the port on the front. So correct, but the host of the mm-hmm. dock needs to be Thunderbolt. Ah. Like the, the right, the, the, you're right. Yes. It has USB ports on it, but it, but the host, like the cable that runs to your Mac, you could not plug in successfully to a non Thunderbolt device to mm. host the dock. Um, so, okay. So, but there are docks out there that, that kind of have both Thunderbolt and USB. Uh, I don't have the name of one right in front of me. I know Kensington makes one, which is, um, you, you know, which is um, cool that, yeah, this, this star tech one, now that I, I remember which one I had put in the show notes, that's a, I, I like that doc. That's, but, but again, it's only Thunderbolt. Um, you know, it's like, and it's like three thirty or something. So, yeah. So you'll need a USB capable dock, but I've got one. I'll send you one so that you can, you know, so you can test off your iPad and I'll test here too. Cause the kids, have USB-C based iPad pros, new, relatively new ones. So I would think that that would be mm-hmm. the same as what you're seeing there, but we'll, we will, uh, we will circle back. That's fascinating, man. Yeah. I wonder what the trick. Yeah. Is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing just for laughs here, I mean, I see at the bottom of that press release, they have press contacts, which, uh, I don't know, uh, the last time I actually talked to a press contact at Apple, but, um, no, reach out to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking to see who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. In fact, I will mm-hmm. I will introduce you to one of them uh and and see if we can't get this question answered. So that's great. Remind me after the show. I will I will send an email introducing you to one of those people because I happen I actually happen to know one of them. It's not it won't just be blind, which is good. So we might be able to get we might be able to get yeah. this answered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the thing is, is, um, I mean, so if you're looking for speed, I would think that the, um, does this have Wi-Fi six or no? I think the iPad is still Wi-Fi is still five. Oh, I thought, I thought the iPad air was Wi-Fi six. Is that not Wi-Fi six? Yeah. You've got Wi-Fi six on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just don't have a Wi-Fi six, uh, (laughs) base yet. Yet. That's right. Yeah. We're working on it. Okay. But even Wi-Fi 5 should be faster than 480 megabits, right? Um, it depends. That would be a pretty good Wi-Fi 5 connection. You might be able to get, you know, a little faster than that. Um, up to, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've maybe topped close to 600 on, on Wi-Fi 5 with a, you know, with a, t- a dual radio, uh, or a, a dual antenna, a two by two mm-hmm. uh, antenna structure. Yeah. But, but no, that's about where you would top out. I think on a, on Wi-Fi five. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We're, we're going to get to the bottom of this. This is a good one. I like it. Shall we move onward? Maybe it's yes. time to talk about cool stuff found. Okay, cool. I am. Um, I have, been enjoying the heck out of these new twinkly smart led string lights that i have these things are so cool john so it's a a string of 250 lights and uh you can sync them up with music so that they like pulse and you know they're all full color and everything but where it gets really cool and super geeky is you take the lights and you 
string them on whatever you want in whatever layout you want. Completely up to you how you just like put the lights. So, for example, we put them on our Christmas tree. Okay, great. So now we have these lights on the tree. And it says, in, and then you, you fire up an app. The, the lights connect to Wi-Fi because, of course, why not? And then you fire up an app and it says, can I use the camera to map your lights? And I said, sure. And so I gave it permission for the camera and it shows, you know, I aimed it at my Christmas tree. It's like, see all the lights. And then it took about, I want to say 10 to 15 seconds for us to map the entire tree with lights. It said, just keep hitting map. And because it's a 3d object with a 2d object, it only has to happen once because the 3d object said, keep walking around the tree until every light you see is green. And that means we've got every light. I'm like, sure. So I did that. And then they say, okay, now you can do patterns on your tree. And it is, it know because now it knows where each individual light is, even though we just haphazardly like threw them up on our tree, it made sense of all of that. And now it can do like striping patterns. And if you lay it out, it like, if you get the lights in a, in a dense enough, but, but well-spaced enough uh, or equally spaced pattern, you can even have things like a jumping little reindeer that you can even see across the tree. It's really cool. And you can, on your phone, I can paint a, a, a shape of the lights on the tree. And it's like, there's the shape of the lights. Really cool stuff. So that's like, obviously it's the right time of year. I had to share. Pretty good, huh, John? Clark Griswold wishes he had these. Andrew Orr is, uh, is from Mac Observers in our chat room this morning, and he does. Clark Griswold wishes he had these lights. He would have, he would have taught his kids um, a lot less salty language if he had these lights. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah? Nice. Good. Yeah, I got a colored, I got a colored light. Okay. <laughs> Just the one. Yeah. 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 No. It, yeah. Did we talk about uh, the Sengled? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a nice one too. Yeah, that's the one I put in my bathroom. I made it a. I made it a. I made it a bug light. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. No, I put it outside and yeah. I said, uh, "You know who?" Um, set porch light to yellow, and it turned yellow. I was like, "Wow, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great." <laughs> yeah, cool. and I, I saw you did. Yeah, yeah, you have a number of them, so you uh, like rotate the lights, and you you got like a psychedelic uh, bathroom there. No, I that you can do that with just the one. Run this this the um mm -hmm. the the singlet app, and and you can just put it on a cycling pattern. That's all I did with that one. And oh, that's the same okay. bulb that I'll you have. have. That. Yeah, yeah, it's just one. Mm -hmm. It's just one. So yeah, it's got this psychedelic pattern going while I'm showering, which is great. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I fast charging is something that's important and more and more important to all of us. We want to be able to fast charge with a nice small little uh, plug, and there are there are now several of these on the market. And the most recent one that I was able to check out is from Spigen, and uh, and that is a fantastic little plug. It's just about the same as the same size as like the tiny little old you know slow charger plugs that would come in an iphone box it's it's like it's it's small enough to only take up one outlet and yet it'll do uh you know gobs and gobs of it'll do 20 watts of uh of power instead of just five which is great so we're very excited about this thing john that's um i like it 
you know, it's got a USB-C port on it, obviously, because that's how you do power delivery. But it's made with gallium nitride. It's one of those GAM ones. So, yeah, Spigen, the Power Arc Arc Station Pro. And I got a link for that in the show notes. So it's good stuff, man. Pretty good. Any any other thoughts on that before we try and plow through some more of these cool stuffs, my friend? No, that's, uh, yeah, got a fast charge. You got a fast charge. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know. It's, it's the way. <laughs> this is the way. Uh, Ari sends one in. John and Ari says, as soon as I can pull this up here, uh, I heard you say that AirPods Pro don't provide a good enough seal in your ears. That, that's true. They, I mean, they sort of seal and then they sort of fall out. Uh, he says, I'm wondering if you had tried Comply's tips yet for them. They have made a huge difference for me. I have not tried Comply's tips for the AirPods Pro. I've tried Comply foam tips for a lot of other things. They are the type of foam that you see with many earbuds, if they're foam, uh, you know, and, and, and they're, they, they mold to your ear very nicely and they can be really comfortable. So um, they do tend to wear out after a little while, but we'll put a link in the show notes. You can, you can get them and pop them onto your AirPods pro and uh, I should try those out. Thank you, Ari. It's a good, a good tip. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Art sends in a, well, I'll call it a cool stuff found. It's um, programming. It's a, it's a, a resource at zojo.com to program your raspberry pi and it, i mean it what a cool i mean this is what it is you can create your own apps on your raspberry pi with this development environment and they've got so many tutorials and all of that stuff so for those of you that are geeking out over the holidays and you got some you know downtime play with your raspberry pi you can do some very cool things with zojo here um so you gotta yeah yeah so thanks for sharing that art good stuff um john for your ipad air the bridge 11 mm -hmm. pro keyboard wireless keyboard uh will work with uh, the uh okay. the air the new one will work with the air and of course the uh, 11 inch ipad pro as well the the same same form factor of keyboard for both i've been able to test these out john the, these bridge keyboards make your iPad into a very functional, portable computing device. Uh, they, they, it folds like the way it folds together. It even looks like a laptop. It's got a really solid keyboard, uh, good feel, all the buttons that you'd want. It's fantastic. And then of course, obviously the iPad has touchscreen, so you can just touch the screen, which is great. So I'll put that in the show notes. There's, the link to it goes to either the new or the old one. So obviously you want to make sure you pick the one that matches your, um, your, uh, your iPad. So yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah. Thoughts on that before we keep trucking here. I love cool stuff. Found. Yeah, it looks like a nice, uh, it's a nice, nice keyboard. Thing. Yeah. It's a nice, it's really well built, super solid. I've had them on my older iPads too. It's, it's great especially for traveling and stuff. Scott uh, says, Hey, did you ever try the Envoy pro electron external SSD from OWC? 
I just bought one because I needed a larger portable drive. I was attracted to it for the price. I was looking for a good drive to hold four to 500 gigs, and this one holds 480 for 149 bucks. I've seen less expensive, but when it comes to SSDs, I've found that cheap does not mean value. That's true. Oftentimes, it's cheap and worth it. Uh, this one, so this one it, it is a little pricier, but not. Not terribly so. He says, I've had two low-cost SSDs die prematurely. Plus, he says, this is OWC, and I trust them more than others. But you have to see this thing, Scott continues. Uh, it is the size of a fat credit card. He says, a credit card is two inches by three inches, and that is the size of this drive. At a half inch thick, it will not fit in my wallet, but it's pretty darn close. It's tiny. He says, I can't believe how small this thing is. I'm glad it comes in silver, so it will stand out on my desk. If it were black, it would get lost. Uh, he says, like mo most SSDs, it was just plug and play, and it's super fast. He says, I think it's faster than the internal SSD on the MacBook Pro uh, that I usually attach it to. He says, the internal SSD replaced a rotational three years ago. So he says, it's the perfect solution to problem of carrying gigabytes of images between two machines and sometimes a third. So thanks, Scott. Yeah, great. Good stuff. I have not checked out that Electron Drive. No, um, that's that. Uh, but it does sound tiny. I think I've seen them at OWC's offices. And yeah. They're good. Okay. We have a cool tip found, John, from listener Mark here. Mark says, my wife needed a way that her MacBook Air would auto log out after five minutes of non-use only when she was teaching at school for privacy and security reasons. But she did not need it to happen when she's at home. So I found this app, and it's an app that's been cool stuff found in the past. But it's worth revisiting anyway, and especially with this new use case. Says I found this app called Power Manager. It seems to work fine in Big Sur. She now has it only log out Monday through Friday between eight a.m. and six p.m. Yeah, Power Manager is cool stuff. Uh, it really it does. You know, this is a great example of the type of thing that it'll do. But it will do so much for you, uh, and it's so flexible in how you can control like what happens you know apple's stuff is it's okay but it's very limited the options that you have there uh, and this sort of takes that and puts it on rails so yeah pretty good thanks mark fun huh john mm -hmm. okay all right uh yeah yeah good um what else do we have here do we you have any cool stuff found my friend I have, I do have one more, which has been pretty cool, but, but I'll, but uh, figured I'd ask, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I've, I've got some things in the pipeline, but they're not, not quite done yet. Okay. Okay. So, um, we've had, we've talked about several different, uh, Wi-Fi photo frames and I've had the opportunity now to check out the Netgear Mural Wi-Fi photo frame. Mural was a company that Netgear acquired a number of years ago. And their first product was like a huge Wi-Fi photo frame that you hung on the wall and, and was, you know, priced accordingly, as you would expect. <laughs> uh, but the, the tech that they're doing, it's this beautiful matte finish on the screen. So picture it's like it's not it looks like you're looking at pictures, not looking at a screen showing you a picture. And the cool part about Mural is that they have libraries and libraries that you can subscribe to some of them are free some of them of course you know you, you pay for a subscription or you can buy them 
And so they've got all kinds of, you know, fine art. They've got, you know, things like the Peanuts comics or the Saturday Evening Post, some of those Norman Rockwell things like you can pull these things in. But of course, you can sync your own photos to this, too. Uh, There's not an easy way to have. Like if I wanted to have you email a picture to my frame, there is not an easy way to do that. And we've found that to be a very, very useful thing with kind of the way our family uses photo frames, just being able to say, oh, I want to send this off to, you know, so-and-so's frame without having to share the frame with them. Uh, but you, once you share the frame with Mural, then everybody that you've shared it with can contribute pictures to it. But it's just, it's not quite as simple to onboard someone that you don't want to onboard, in fact. But the the quality of the picture on this thing, I've got it sitting on my desk in the office and it constantly blows me away. So it's pretty cool. It's two forty nine, dollars So it priced accordingly. Uh, for what you're getting there, which I think is pretty good. Ah, any, uh, any more thoughts, John? I, I feel like we're probably where we should be to, uh, to wrap things because if we get too deep into, I don't know, do we, do you have one other question you want to do? We've got a little time, but we could, we could, you know, send them off on their way. If, uh, if not, you, you want to, um, you want to offer a geek challenge maybe? No. No? Okay. <laughs> we should do something more, I think. So maybe a geek challenge if we can't uh if we can't find something else. So anything, my friend? All right. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a geek challenge for him here because I like the idea of this geek challenge that listener John sent in. And uh and we'll see where we can get. So he says, uh I moved my home folder off of my 13-inch MacBook Pro internal SSD to a 2-terabyte OWC Envoy Pro EX. I noticed this morning that my admin account, my main account, does not have permission to access my documents folder any longer. And what's more is the permissions section of the Get Info window is missing. Uh, And he says, I'm running macOS 10.15.7. Clearly, I need to access that folder. I checked and I seem to have permission for all the other visible folders. Any ideas how to fix? And he says, you should cut me off here before I start ranting. Yeah. So um, this was, you know, I would do some sort of file maintenance. If you're still on Catalina, I would run Onyx to trigger all of that maintenance, especially the permissioning part. Uh, that If I were there, that's the next thing I'd try. He did try that. It did not help. Um, so that was that was not he said that that he evidently he was having trouble accessing both the documents and the desktop folders, which are both stored on iCloud Drive. This fixed desktop, but not documents. And so I don't know what the answer is here. This is one of those times, John, where I would want to rebuild the desktop on this machine. But uh, but, I you know, we don't do that anymore because it's not OS nine. So uh I don't yeah, I don't know what the trick would be to this. Like it it's the the everything is going to be stored in home library mobile documents, right? That is the iCloud uh drive and then from there you should be able to see desktop and documents. But but he's right. When you look at this uh in the finder, you do not get a permissions dialogue for these for these things. For whatever reason, 
It's just not letting you. You could go to the, the terminal and do it. And we had him try that, and that didn't seem to help either. So feedback at MacGeekGab.com. This is where we would love to uh, have your thoughts. If you've ever seen anything like this, or simply if you're sitting there in your car and saying, or wherever you listen, because you know maybe you don't drive anywhere anymore. Uh, but if you're saying, oh, 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 try this, try this, try this. So, uh, so I would, I'd be curious now. Yes. Yeah. Did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yeah. Yeah, I sure did. Cause that's where we would, we would, you know, want people to, to send their stuff. Cause we love that. We love getting questions from you. And so, well, my video looks really out of sync here. Yeah. Your video has been a problem for a while, but it's okay. You, your audio has been stellar and we're able to have conversations. So for most of the people, mm-hmm. they're not even aware, but yeah, I noticed that something, something's not right. Something ain't right, man, but we'll figure it out for next week. Or maybe it's just one of those, you know, wait, are, are your CPUs pegged? That's often a uh, pause. 22%, 20%. That's, that's not pegged. No, I got plenty left. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll have to have you test your bandwidth because I, that's, I have not closed that port yet. So, um, so mm-hmm. test, test your bandwidth to me and let's see what happens in the meanwhile. I think really it is time to, uh, to find the band and you know, we're done for a week. It's how uh, it's how it goes. We 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 got so much stuff. I, you folks are great. Sending in everything that uh, that you send in, it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a pleasure being able to do this show each week. I learn so much. Sometimes I feel like I'm the one that learns the most. And I hope <laughs> you feel the same way, folks. Like that's that's the point here. So. Thanks for sending in all your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We appreciate that. Thanks for um, visiting our sponsors. Of course, Grammarly.com slash MGG, Headspace.com slash MGG, MintMobile.com slash MGG, Checkout.com slash MGG, Fundrise.com slash MGG. John, you want to thank them for anything or share anything with them before we uh, before we take this one out? No. Okay. All right. Well, then that's how it's going to be. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for your premium contributions. We have some individuals to thank. We'll do that next week. Thanks for just thanks for being you. Thanks for being a part of the Mac Geek Gab community. It's really, it's amazing that we get to do this every week together. All of us. We love it. So stay safe. Be careful. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Try to look on the bright side of life. And most importantly, don't get caught. Have fun. 